These are fun, off-the-cuff discussions on movies and streaming series, both new and old. Together, we'll attempt to bridge the gap between Hollywood Industry Insider and the casual viewer. This is Alec. And I'm Ben. And you're listening to the Cinema A to B Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to Cinema A to B, a movie podcast with me, Alec, and Ben. Today, we are going to be talking about the 2022 film, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, the Nick Cage vehicle that is now a huge meme. So, Ben, what's your thoughts, buddy? <laughs> I adore this movie, and I'm going to have to <laughs> I'm going to have to walk back some comments I made when we did uh, Tommy Boy because mm-hmm. I said, "Oh, you know, they're not really making good comedies anymore," which in volume they're not. But occasionally something yeah. comes around that's an absolute riot. <laughs> and in this case, it's it's this movie. Um, yeah. I don't remember. Did this get a theatrical run of any kind or was this is this a streaming thing? No, it did get a small theatrical okay. run, but it was I mean, but we're talking, I think it was in the um, wintertime. Um, so it was, you know, kind of basically set out like it was probably like February, January, March or something along those lines. So it was definitely not there for uh, to make big bucks. Yeah, because I didn't you know, I didn't see I this in a movie theater, and I I kind of wish no. I had just because I'm the kind of guy that just will laugh just relentlessly in a movie theater, and I don't care. And I found my laughter <laughs> will free up other people to to laugh. And I don't yeah. know why everybody's so uptight now in a movie theater when it comes to like comedy and laughing at stuff. I think I saw this by myself, just it was streaming and I finally decided cause I'd heard a little bit of buzz of you need mm-hmm. to watch this. And, uh, it's, it's something else, buddy. I'm going to agree with you. Like I went in this, I, I, I do really like Nick Cage, yeah. but I was thinking like, you know, the last decade of Nick mm-hmm. Cage films. It's a, you know, unfortunately it's been, feels like a money grab. There's been some good gems, but a lot of not great ones. And I was kind of going in this, like, kind of like, is he poking fun at himself or is this going to be serious? And was blown away. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, the, the chemistry between him and Pedro Pascal is worth the price of admission just by itself. Just their scenes like that first third of the movie is worth it. Just by, if I didn't have the other two acts like done, like just give it to me that, that whole little, little bit of them talking about movies and kind of bonding is fantastic. So, and the movie is so meta that it just blows my mind, but yeah, it's great. It's fantastic. Yeah, This, so. this movie has a little something for everybody. I don't think you have mm-hmm. to be the Nick cage super fan to enjoy it and find it funny, yeah. but the more you know about the man, the funnier it gets. And mm-hmm. the, the more nuggets tend to show up uh, throughout but yeah, you're right. The chemistry between these guys is just, is just, it's and just the thing is Nick, Nick Cage is a bizarre human being and, mm-hmm. and yeah. Pedro has basically admitted as much, but it, that doesn't mean they didn't get along. No. He is, he's bizarre. He's weird, but, but he's very funny. Um, they both are. And yeah, yeah you could, I like these movies where I can tell the, the leads are having an absolute blast doing it. Cause unfortunately that's just not the case with every movie. Some of these are really tough to make. And then, then other, these are, are fun. The problem is it seems like more often than not a movie that's a lot of fun to make, 
often ends up not being very good. It's just kind of the nature of the beast. But this is the exception yeah. to the rule because they're having a blast. And then the movie is is just a really funny, wild ride for for audiences. And the thing is, I was expecting this movie to end up being really predictable just as far as the story. And it really isn't. There's <laughs> in, in, a, in way, a way. Yeah, in a there's way some they, twi- there's some twists and turns as far as is this character who they you really think they are. Yeah. And so it. You know, but it doesn't lean on that. Like, this is not a movie that's like leaning on this heavy narrative. Like it's, it's there to make you laugh. And it is this, it's effectively a love letter to peak Nick Cage, which is like pretty Mm -hmm. much nineties, nineties, Nick Cage. Yeah. And (laughs) early two thousands a little bit, but definitely like, I mean, a lot of late eighties, early nineties, mid nineties callbacks. I mean, cause the whole Nikki character, his younger self is based off of that, uh, wild at heart character. He played or the interview he did, um, with that on British television or whatever, where he was like throwing money into the crowd, taking his shirt off, doing kicks. I'm like, just, and the, the best part about it was like when I first saw Nikki and he was like, Nick Cage is acting at him. I'm just thinking to myself, like, Oh, he's going to do a bad impression of himself. And I feel like that's what he's going for. But it's so spot on to how he was when he was younger that I'm like, this is not this is just him being him. Like, this is him at that interview. Like, he's not trying to do an impression of himself. It's just it's comedy gold. It's it was just it's a such a fun. Time. Laura didn't like it, actually, at all. So she's but she's also not a big Nick Cage fan, I believe. I mean, she watched it with me and, you know, laughed at some parts and stuff, but definitely was not didn't walk away with it with the amount of joy that I had. Uh, from it so but fun fact pedro pascal is apparently he said in interviews that he said he was a huge nick cage fan before this movie like he watched all the all his nick cage's movies was super nervous like working with him and meeting him because he was such a fan and i was like that's that's awesome but then they still build that chemistry and be able to do this so like some of that could just be pedro pascal kind of just nerding out talking to he's, Nick Cage. He's admitted screen. as much. I forget the interview where he basically yeah. said there's there's sections of this, there's no acting going on. <laughs> like it's not cuz he's as super he's much of a super fan uh as the character is. And so there's yeah. no there's no acting there. And it's been a it's been a minute since I've seen this, um a couple months. Mm-hmm. So not everything's as fresh in my mind, but it is a on a technical level like it's it's really well shot. And it's a very, it's a very attractive movie as far as the locale, like the locations they're shooting at. It's, it's fun. It's not only is it funny, it's aesthetically like it's a, it's a solid movie. So, yeah. So beautiful views. I mean, I think they're shooting in Croatia, if I remember mm -hmm. correctly. Um, Beautiful shots. I mean, there's nothing I didn't watch and go, that's a terrible shot. And I don't think this was a lot of money at all like i didn't think they threw a ton of it didn't have a high budget i can't um, imagine it did um yeah yeah i don't so, i don't have i don't have budget on you know readily available yeah um but you do save a money you do save a lot of money shooting in croatia oh uh it says about 30 million dollars okay was the budget so and it made yeah. it made its money back as far as its box office the, and then yes. And so I think it's done well cause it on uh, the streaming and mm-hmm. stuff and then rental, uh, I think it's, I think it cleaned up pretty well. So yeah, 
Yeah, it's been profitable. I mean, this 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 guy that directed this, he's now doing, I believe, the Beverly Hills Cop movie. Yeah, the Axl Rose yeah, thing so, or whatever. And he didn't really have any like he had a t like a, a wrote for a TV show and then had um, a move uh, some movie that he did before this. And so this was like his true real not I mean I guess not big thing but you know because he had a movie with Zac Efron and uh, Miles Teller and oh my goodness um yeah that awkward moment Michael B Jordan, Jordan yeah. thank you which I didn't that, see yeah, I've the, not the, seen that no neither but he had I, that so. and then he did it he did like some episodes of this comedy um show ghosted that was yeah. kind of it and then you do this thing where you write specifically for, I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, thing. like huge gamble to write this and you know, it's, it's going to be sink or swim on whether or not yeah. he's going to be able to, you know, do it. Is he available? Does he want to do it? Well, and he didn't like, he really was nervous about it. And actually for a while, he wanted to play the Pedro Pascal role until Pedro Pascal got it. He didn't want to play himself. He wanted someone else. He thought like, he even talks about how meta it would be if I played the Nick Cage super fan, you know, instead of Nick Cage, you know? So it was, I think with the Tom, uh, the Tom Gornikin who directed it and also wrote it, um, in addition with someone else, but I know after writing the script and sitting down talking with him, that's when like Nick Cage was like, okay, you're not trying to make fun of me. You're, this is done as a comedy, but not at my expense, more of this is fun and kind of a little bit of, you're giving me a little bit of credit for what I have done in the past. Oh yeah. So I think it's absolutely an homage to, you know, the most successful part of his career, but to get him to write the script, it's like, or get him to read the script is a huge undertaking. And mm-hmm. hats off to him for having the the cojones to to get it done and say, you know, no matter what, I need to get Cage, I need to get this script in his hands because um, I believe in the project. And clearly the result is not a knock on Nick at all. I mean, like this, critics are like calling this like one of the best performances of his career. And it's fantastic. Yeah. Well, and it's now... You know, the, the movie has scenes that are now memes or, you know, and, and GIFs that are everywhere. Like people using it all the time of their little car ride scene. It's oh, that thing like, fills my feed daily. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you guess what? I it's always so, freaking watch it because the cut, the cut to Pedro with that, that goofy ass <laughs> smile on his face gets me every single time. Oh, uh, I don't care. Like, yeah, just, just, just give it to me. Just like, this is fantastic. Uh, this was a lot of fun. I mean, even the side characters like, uh, Tiffany Haddish and the other agent whose name escapes me at the moment. Um, they were a lot of fun. The just kind of his interplay with his, like his daughter and him trying to, you know, teach his daughter film or like, but you really wanted to watch, you know, the castle of Dr. Caligari, you know, or whatever, you know, and all these different things. Like it just, it felt so light, but yet I could also be believable. Like, cause that is a you know, movie that everyone touts, but how many people have actually now, seen is this it? The, you know? Is this the movie so, with the Paddington? <laughs> yes. This is the movie with the Paddington. He's like, uh, I, cause I love it. Cause it's this cut of just to, to quickly Nick Cage. And he goes, just, just tell me, just finally own up to it. 
what is your third favorite movie? And <laughs> that's when Pedro's like, Paddington 2. <laughs> just, just great. Just great. Like, yeah. Oh, it may, makes me yes. laugh. Just, this was, <laughs> I couldn't quite remember. Like I said, it's been a few months. I was like, I, I swear there's yeah. a Paddington 2 reference in this movie that just there had me crying. Um, and I do recall laughing hard enough that I think I had tears in my eyes mm-hmm. during watching this. And that doesn't happen very often. But going back to laughing, I do want to say as someone who has watched a lot of movies with you, I do appreciate appreciate your laughter because it makes me also want to laugh at movies a lot harder than I normally do just because of you just going full bore whenever something you find funny. And I appreciate it. So thanks for uh, thanks for your laughter and bringing joy. Oh, to no theaters. problem. I, yeah, we have yeah. seen some I've seen some movies in my day where I've laughed at some things that I probably shouldn't have. And I just don't care. I don't <laughs> yeah. care. I've, I'm no. paying now I'm paying more than I've ever paid before. And if I want to laugh, I'm going to laugh. But yeah, I totally yeah. would have loved a theatrical on this just for the, uh, just to laugh with and some other people. It looks like digging a little bit deeper and I should have done this beforehand. It looks like it did actually get released in April of 2022 okay. for a theatrical release. So not trying not to read too deeply into it while we're actually doing yeah, this. Yeah, and this I think they had a hard time show. marketing this movie. Oh, yeah. It's like, how, really? how, <laughs> how do you do it? Now, how do you do it? Yeah. How do you do it Go properly, ahead. you know, you and, and, and convince people that this is worth going to see? And I think they really struggled with that. And the fact that it caught on and caught on fire in the streaming space doesn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. No. No. I mean, when you when you have a ton of movies coming out already in that April time frame. you know, we're starting to get up into summer blockbuster stuff and you know, it, the big budget movies really do the spectacle movies get all kind of the, the pull and garner the interest from people who want to spend that 15, $20 a ticket to go see in the theaters. What's the likelihood you're going to go really see the unbearable weight of massive talent, which looks like Nick Cage just doing a movie about his his life and how interesting is that especially since i mean no offense to nick cage but he hasn't exactly been relevant for the last decade so no he's been known for being in massive real estate debt from buying castles and then having to do b and c and d level movies to uh to pay the bill he's been very transparent about that as of late like he's not shy about it he's like hey i i took some bad advice thinking that these would be investment properties and they just, they weren't. And I saddled myself with debt and I did what I needed to do to, to dig out of it. And so Mm. I've got a lot of respect for the guy for, for like basically damaging his career to, to pay the debt. I like, I respect that. It's like, I made the mistake and I'm going to have to do, I'm going to have to use my best skill available to make money to pay, to pay for this mistake. And that's what he's done. And fortunately now we're in a different era, clearly of entertainment where there was a time when this would absolutely have destroyed your career. And mm-hmm. yeah. And for a time, I think it did, but we're kind of well past that with, with streaming and it, people are looking for a comeback now. Like, I think mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of the thing with, with, with America, right. Is we love to build people up and then we love to tear them down and then we love to build them back up again. So <laughs> like it's, it's a vicious cycle and I feel like he's, you know, kind of on the upswing and he's not going to be fully back 
just cause he's not, he's not the young man anymore that can star in these action films mm-hmm. that he like built his career on in the nineties with, you know, the rock and face, face off, off and Connor. Yeah. You know, he's, he's not that age anymore, but this is, this is special. Just, you know, it kind of feels like a little bit of also Nick Cage's love letter to, or well, maybe not Nick Cage's, but the writer's love letter to Hollywood, kind of talking a lot about little snippets here and there. Um, I really enjoyed the beginning part where Nick Cage came on way too strong to the director. The director was like, I'm just going to give it to you. He's like, no, no, I'll, I'll read, I'll read. And like, I'm just, then he get, talks himself out of the yeah. part. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, that feels very very real. Like that has happened multiple times to people of like, they're just like, no, 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 I'll, I'll read, I'll do it. And then the, the director's like, Oh my goodness, you just saved me a lot of money because you're terrible. Like, this is not how I thought it was going to be. Yeah. It's super accurate. So, I mean, people like talk themselves out of giving like a good performance during an audition all the time. As you, yeah. s- you stand out there and you hear the other guy or the other gal doing it the way that you were going to do it. And then you're like, well, mm-hmm. now I can't do that. <laughs> like I can't do that now. It's yep. not going to work, right? Yep. I no. Well, they, they've already heard yeah. it. Might as well go with that right. guy as opposed to me. Yeah. What uh, a mind game. It it does jump genres a little bit, right? So it's mm-hmm. not a hundred percent comedy, but I think this is the closest you're going to get to a hundred percent comedy in this era, where everything is kind of a little bit of everything or a little bit multiple yeah. stuff. So you're not, you know, it's, so it's definitely not like the same kind of vein as Tommy Boy of just straight. Here's a little story. Here's some comedy. But that is kind of a lot of it is just let's go enjoy ourselves and have fun. Yeah, this probably has more in common, like as far as the the narrative where it kind of sits in to something like um, maybe like 21 Jump Street with uh, with Channing Tatum and and Jonah Hill, which is a pretty funny movie. Mm -hmm. Not as not as funny as this. I think this is I think this is a much better comedy, which just goes to show there's there's space for this buddy cop or mm-hmm. this is like a non cop buddy cop movie is kind of the way it feels. Um, cause it still involves law enforcement and stuff, but it, they, they don't rely on the narrative to like push it forward. Like it's not, it's mm-hmm. just in the background. It's just the setup yeah. to get these two characters together. Really? And then they just, once they're yeah. together, it just kind of goes like, you know, like everything else becomes so ancillary. It's just them kind of going through life and figuring things out. You know, I have to admit that before I started watching this, I did not have high expectations because I was of the opinion that that Pedro Pascal was starting to kind of have overexposure in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And I still kind of think that a little bit. Um, But I I understand his reasoning. You you know, this is a guy that achieves success much later. And so it's like you kind of have to make hay while you can. Like while you're in demand, you just need to take the roles and not worry about how close stuff gets released. But I was kind of worried about that. I was like, Oh, this guy's in everything. How good is this going to be? How good is his performance actually going to be? Is he going to actually offer me anything different than he normally does? And he really did. He really Mm -hmm. did. He feels like a completely different character. He does not, doesn't feel like anything he gave in, you know, I first watched him in Narcos he didn't feel like that character. He doesn't feel like the last Mandalorian last of us. Yeah. Like he, Game of Thrones. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's, he uh, he's he's very very versatile, and now he's shown the comedy angle, which, as we've discussed before, isn't the easiest thing to. Mm. And he's good at yeah. it too. 
Like he's got good pacing. He's got good timing. I mean, obviously some of that's a lot easier when you're on set because you can edit some of that down. But a lot of those shots are just single shots of him kind of delivering those lines. And it's just like, yeah. And you didn't overplay his hand. Just great. No, he's working with a good script and part of him is a real super fan of cage anyway. So I think he just leaned on that and was like, this is how I'm going to play it. And it does, it comes off very natural and very Mm -hmm. endearing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This is so, and to, to our listeners and stuff like that. And I know you're, you're, it's very true what Pedro Pascal is doing, but a lot of times too, keep in mind that a lot of these movies were shot two, three, four years ago, you know, uh, this one not being one of this was this was one of the early movies that got shot after the pandemic um, hit or whatever. But um, it you know you may have done a movie in 2018 that doesn't really come out till 2021 you know or 2022. And you know these studios are keeping these movies in the vault or whatever until they see a good time and they see oh Pedro Pascal is trending. Let's release our Pedro Pascal vehicle or will the movie he's in ride that wave. And so the actor himself is trying to space these out. But then the studios are like, we're going to cash in and you're going to get overexposed. And so they may not have that much control over it. They may think they're doing the right thing of spacing these stuff out. But the release schedule gets changed and then it's, oh, okay, well, I'm everywhere. So this is my time. But some of that may be true in Pedro's case. The other is very true. But what you're saying, I mean, this is his moment. He is the it guy for a lot of these different projects. Get in while the getting's good before you crest into too old or you're, you know, playing smaller parts. Like he's just at that age where he's old enough to still be, he's young enough, sorry, to still kind of fit these action roles or to fit these, you know, romance roles or these more interesting roles and not get relegated to just the father or the grandfather. But he is definitely pushing that direction for, you know, a very youthful Hollywood. Yeah, he's not, he's not yet 50. He's several years away from, from turning 50. So yeah, he does. He has to, he has to take advantage. And Mm -hmm. fortunately what he gives you is something different each time. So the overexposure is less of a problem with him versus someone like the rock who just gives Mm -hmm. pretty much the the same performance. So that helps. Um, but it's still a danger and they've, I've read about it and it's been talked about before and you're right. Some of that is, can be very much out of your control. So I don't know. I appreciate these guys that did not achieve success early and grinded and, you know, and obviously the guy must be really fun to work with because you don't just get cast in this stuff a bunch. If, if you're, you can be talented, but if you're a pain in the butt, it wouldn't have lasted this long. Like they wouldn't be continuing to put him in things. And I know there's been some, there was some pad press around him with the Mandalorian with like how much time he actually wanted to spend in the, in the suit and whatnot. And but um, generally what I've heard is that he's, he's good to work with. And so that's kind of an exception. I think that role. And if I remember reading those articles about him in the Mandalorian suit, it was less about like, there wasn't a whole lot of like, he was demanding he didn't want to be in the suit. It was more of like they used other people. And I think a lot of it too, was he had, he had other shooting conflicts. And so, with that role, the nice thing is, is that they don't actually need him in the suit. And so they could still shoot without him and just have him dub in his lines. Right. And so I think, I don't know if it was him not wanting, again, this is what, from what I've read, this is the feeling I got was it was less about him not wanting to be in the suit and more about just sometimes the shooting schedules didn't work very right. well. 
So, well, do you have any uh, any parting word, words of wisdom when it comes to the unbearable weight of massive talent? I would say if you haven't seen this movie, you see it just so you can laugh and enjoy yourself. If you, and if you have any enjoyment of Nick Cage, see it. Now, you will see Nick Cage with a K, Nick Cage, because in the movie he plays N-I-C-K Nick Cage as opposed to his real life right. pers- persona of N-I-C Nick Cage. But it's just a lot of fun, a lot of tongue-in-cheek references, a lot of movie references to Nick Cage stuff, and just just a good little ride. So, yeah, it's fun. It's good fun. Don't see it by yourself. Get get a group or at least one other people, one other person. Totally does not take itself too seriously. doesn't try to be anything more than what it actually yeah, is. Yeah, and we appreciate these it's, movies that know exactly what space to operate within and and don't try to do too much. Yeah. And this, yeah, this one's this one's good. This one's good. I need to watch this one again. And yeah, we just, uh, we love talking about these movies and bringing you something different each and every week. And uh, we hope you, uh, hope you see this one, Unbearable Weight. Um, and if you've already seen it, we'd love to hear your thoughts on it. We'll catch you next time. Thanks, everybody.